0: Welcome to ShadowCastAudio.com where you can hear all the stories featured in the Masters of Horror anthology. If you like your horror to be dark, disturbing and twisted then these are the tales for you. You might not instantly be afraid at some of these stories but later on, when you're lying in bed wide awake then the true scale of their horror will grab you and leave you in a cold sweat. Others will shake you down right from the start and leave you whimpering in the corner. My name is Neil Colquhoun, and you can find out more about me and the Infected Legion over at neilcolquhoun.com. In the meantime, enjoy your trip into the nightmares you've most feared.
1: Shadowcastaudio.com presents The Masters of Horror. The Anthology. Welcome to a world hidden behind the blinds of reality. A landscape waiting to be molded into a thing of pain and torture. This anthology is not for the faint-hearted. The ideas, themes, and disturbing images portrayed within will send your brain into overdrive on the road to madness. This book is guaranteed to rob you of sleep at night and bring you the nightmares you've most feared. You've been warned.
0: Richard Barnes lives and works in occasionally sunny New Zealand and has been trying to be disciplined about his writing since winning a competition run by Earthlight, a science fiction fantasy imprint of Simon & Schuster. He has had scripts considered by the BBC and recently had a short story accepted for the Kiwi Writers Anthology. Something unpleasant is his first out-and-out horror story, but there's usually something nasty going on in his short fantasy fiction. Richard Barnes can be found at horrorwriters.ning.com slash profile slash Richard Barnes. My name is Neil Colquhoun. Something Unpleasant by Richard Barnes. Something unpleasant heaved itself out of the mud. The mud was a stagnant pool of sludge that lay in a crevice off the rocky coast of the Aotare headland. The mud at its bottom was always in shadow, so even on the hottest days such as this one, it remained dank and sodden. Over the centuries, a great many things had been thrown or fallen into the muddy crevice. The skulls of two tribal chiefs who had fought back against the raiding Iwi, The bastard son of a local preacher's daughter when he was barely a day old. The eotari headland had been attracting misery for a long time and this dark spot seemed to be the final destination of much of that misery. So much pain went into the crevice. Perhaps it was inevitable that something would crawl back up. The thing reached up with long, skinny forearms, ending in twisted claws. A withered rear limb quivered as it tried to push up its slimy sack of a body. Its every movement was pain, as it dragged itself up the abrasive rocks, Scratches and sores were torn through its skin. Pale blood mixed with sick yellow pus and oozed out. Reaching the top of the crevice, it let out a strangled gasp as it felt the warmth of the rocks against its taut and broken skin. It flailed out with one of its arms to pull itself over the jagged rocks and towards the cooler shade of the trees that fringed the grey sandy beach. It jerked across the rocks, opening more wounds, and finally reached the softer and cooler ground beneath the trees. There was no thought of rest. There was no brain to think with, no central nervous system. It was just one savage sensory organ, and all it could sense was pain. Pain filled its senses, and the pain fuelled its fury. All it had was fury, and a hunger, to vent that fury in what passed for its mind. A dog came sniffing along a track that led down the beach and it made the thing jerk up. It sensed the warmth of the animal, its lifeblood. The dog came closer. The jagged talon punched into the dog's throat before the dog had even noticed it was there. The dog let out a whine of pain before the other claw ripped through its eye and tore the top of its head off. Mungo, called out a voice further up the track. What's up, boy? The thing heaved itself onto the twitching body of the dog. It sucked and tore at its body with the jumble of fangs and mandibles that made up its mouth. It did not notice the man coming after his dog. Mick Shepherd stomped down the track. He'd had another shitty day at work, putting up with crap from the management, whinges from the customers and bull from his co-workers. His wife, like his bosses and work colleagues, had long since managed to let Mick's constant muttering and moaning fade into a background buzz. If anything, Mick felt the dog paid more attention than anyone else in his life. But now, even the mutt was whining. He turned a corner in the track and saw the crumpled shape of his dog and what seemed to be a lumpy, grey sack on top of it. He was practically standing over it before he smelled the horrific stench. As the odour hit, he saw the mutilated wreck of his dog. Mick stumbled back, bile rising fast. Too fast. He vomited, unable to twist in time to stop the vomit splattering down his shirt. He tottered into a tree and grabbed a branch before he fell. The smell of his vomit spiralled up to his face, but at least it was better than the vile stench that had clung to the horror in front of him. Despite the humid warmth of the evening, he was suddenly soaked with cold sweat he forced himself to look again at what was left of his dog. The grey shape convulsed. A pair of bony limbs jerked out and bloody matted fur and flesh went flying. The vile stench washed over Mick and his vision clouded over. When his head cleared, he was on his knees and vomiting again. The thing was still by the splattered remains of his dog. Somewhere in Mick's frightened mind, he realised that the foul smell was a thing turning its attention to him. Mick tried to get up, but his legs were like cold lead. The stick-like arm reached out and dug into the earth, only a couple of feet from Mick. The grey sack of body slithered over the ground with a hissing sound. Where it dragged itself, the ground was stained and glistened with putrid fluid. Mick toppled forward, his cheek and open mouth sliding over his own vomit. For a moment he tasted his own worm bile. An instant later, his senses were assaulted by the grim shape lurching towards him. The smell was a physical wad of rotten flesh punching through his face and into his mind. He hardly noticed the claws and teeth tearing at his throat, stomach and groin. He wasn't aware of his bowels emptying, his blood gushing or his guts sliding out onto the earth. The thing fed its fury, eating and spitting, and vomiting all at once as it ravaged a man's body. The act of feeding was pain. Ashley Keane had remarked to his students that the human mind is capable of thought and reason at several levels all at the same time. He was a living, breathing and very good example of the phenomenon. Not that his students had any idea of just how good an example he was. While he drove along the empty winding road, that ran into the Eotare headland. He was able to occupy an objective space, as if he was looking down and watching himself. The subjective self didn't make decisions, it only observed. Decision-making was left to what he thought of as the real keen. The real keen was the teacher and son and boyfriend. He was the guy who was popular at the the end-of-the-month drinks, the guy who impressed the school staff with the quality of his baking. The guy who was as near as possible to being a cool teacher as can be. The objective self was always impressed by the way the real Keen calmly handled all of the problems that could be caused by what he thought of as the other Ashley. The real Keen made the plans, scouted out the locations, and identified the girl each time. The real Keen cleared up the mess at the cabin made all the explanations to family and friends, even found time to settle back with a good book and a couple of cold beers on the cabin deck. Somehow, the real keen also let the reality of the other Ashley just vanish away, was able to rationalise all those little acts that covered the other Ashley's actions. No wonder, thought the objective self, nobody had any suspicions. It was almost as if a completely different person was murdering teenage girls. While the real keen handled the driving to the cabin, the other Ashley was already looking forward to the weekend. It was Friday evening and soon the real keen and even objective self would be taking themselves away. This one was a looker thought the other Ashley. They had all been quite cute, but Carrie, real keen always found out their names as he enticed them into the car, was especially attractive. Other Ashley was thrilled that he had stopped any of the other asshole guys out there getting their greasy, horny paws on her. That would have been her fate in two or three years when she had reached 17 or 18. Someone as peachy as Carrie Black would have had a procession of sweaty, vile little scumbags lined up to defile her. Sooner or later, she would have been felt up, knocked up and used up. Ashley Keane had saved her from all of that. It was going to be a great weekend in the boot of the car, wrapped in heavy bin liners. Carrie Black was not experiencing any of these varied levels of thought. She was dead, and had been for hours. Dead from an iron hand gripped around her throat, and the hard face of a man who scarcely resembled the pleasant and good-looking guy who had offered to give her a lift. As her life had been crushed away, her final thoughts were furious. She would not be playing in the hockey finals that year. She would never go to the prom and she would never get to see why her older sister had had so much fun on her OE. But Carrie Black was dead. Ashley Keane was looking forward to the weekend and something unpleasant was in the woods at the Aotare headland. Something unpleasant dragged itself through the woods. Feeding had made it bigger and stronger but had done nothing for the pain. There was now simply more skin to be scratched, more bone and muscle to be wrenched and bruised. Lacking eyes, it slammed into tree trunks and toppled into ditches as it lurched around. Its claws ripped great slashes through bark. Its pus left a trail of dead plants behind it. It collided with another stump and felt a fresh flare of pain. In its frenzy, it tore apart the rotten tree, sending splinters of bark and wood flying many of which became embedded in the thing's own bloated body. In moments, the tree stump was just a hole in the ground and the thing had rolled forward to an open space covered in grass. To one side it could sense the sea lapping at the shore. To the other, there was something more powerful. Fear and anger and lust. Sweetheart, said Ashley. You got into the car. I didn't force you. I mean... Did I grab you? Did I pull you in after you'd said no? There was no answer from Carrie Black. The objective self wouldn't have been surprised by the lack of response. She was dead after all. But the objective self and the real keen were gone now and wouldn't usually be back until the other Ashley fell back and the real Keane found himself naked, covered in blood and with a mutilated corpse in front of him. It was the real keen who cleaned everything up where the other Ashley would take the half-eaten heart of the latest girl and drop it into that muddy hole down at the end of the beach. The other Ashley felt some kind of offering was always needed. Neither objective self nor real Keane knew anything about that little ritual. Real Keane had set everything up nicely tonight. Carrie was in a high-backed but well-stuffed armchair in the lounge area. The heavy curtains were drawn across the glass doors to the deck. Candles provided soft lighting and a selection of knives were set out on the counter just behind Carrie's chair. He'd opened a few more buttons on her blouse and pushed the hem of her knee-length skirt up to near the top of her thighs. If her legs were further apart he would probably be able to see her panties. Ashley strutted up and down in front of the dead teenager. He wore track pants, a white singlet and had bare feet You're not answering, Carrie, said Ashley. But what would you say? You know I'm right. You got into the car with me because you wanted me. Hell, I was just doing you a favour. You were seducing me. You wanted me to bring you out here, didn't you, slut? There was no response. Ashley stepped forward and slapped her hard across the face. Rigor mortis had barely begun to set in, so her head snapped round thumped against the back of the high-backed chair. Ashley stepped back and slowed his breathing. He closed his eyes and took more deep breaths before opening them again. OK, I'm sorry about that, he said, but this is your fault. Let's just step back a little and calm down. Carrie's head looked over at the wall as if fascinated by the bland painting of a sunset on it. Can you at least look at me when I'm talking to you? said Ashley he stepped forward again feeling his erection growing with his sense of outrage at this teasing little slut there was a thump from outside in the deck Ashley stopped in his tracks real keen slid back into place with one smooth well-practiced motion he swept Carrie over his shoulder and stepped into the kitchenette he opened the door of the big cupboard and placed her on the one shelf inside it was always left empty closed the door on Carrie. A second later, he ran a hand through his hair to ruffle it up and appear as if he'd just woken up. He stepped over to the deck doors to peek through the curtains. He looked through but could see nothing. The light onto the deck was operated by a motion sensor but he saw nothing that would have activated it. He turned to go and find his big torch when there was a bang against the glass door. Ashley shoved the curtain open. If anyone wanted trouble, they'd find it all right. He saw a slimy-looking sack slumped against the glass door. Pale smears were streaked down the glass. Some stupid kids throwing stuff. Time to get the shotgun and put on the bit of a crazy act. You could shout and shake your fists at kids, but that would just egg them on. When they were on the wrong end of cold steel, however, the message seemed to sink in. He wished he could take the shotgun into the classroom. He started to turn, but the bony arm that shot out of the sack stopped him. It ended in a claw that scraped at the glass, scoring a long scratch down the surface. Ashley rushed back to the kitchenette. The safe with the gun was under the sink. He grabbed his keys from the worktop and crouched down. There were another couple of smacks against the glass, and another high-pitched scratch. He found the key to the top lock and turned it. Another heavy blow to the door made the glass shake. He dropped a bunch of keys. He picked them up again and couldn't find the key to the second lock. More thumps and scratches were coming now. He glanced back and saw two of the bony arms slapping and scratching at the glass. The rest of that sack-like shape was sliding up and down. He continued to fumble with the keys. Real keen was starting to feel real fear. That was no kid. That was some kind of mutant. Objective self was wondering if it was real at all. The other Ashley lived in a world of delusion, so maybe his mind was spiralling even further out of control. Real Keen found the key, slotted it into the lock and turned it with a satisfying click. He pulled the handle and the thick door swung open. The shotgun was kept loaded and ready. Objective self noted how Real Keen rationalised keeping a gun in case of intruders trying to rob the place. He also knew that someday the other Ashley may want to shoot his way out of a situation. Real keen had not expected this situation. He grabbed the gun and stepped back. Real keen and objective self melted away. The other Ashley was in charge again. He stomped back through to the back door and aimed at that ball of slime groping at his windows. He didn't bother to open the door. He touched a muzzle to the glass level with the centre of the slimy sack. With the gun in his hand and ready to fire, he felt the same sense of arousal as he had when starting to attack the corpse of Carrie Black. He squeezed the trigger. Ashley almost fainted with excitement as a powerful clap of the gun combined with shattering glass and a high-pitched squeal from the creature. The door was completely shattered and the thing in the deck was just a pulpy mess. Fury sparked up in the dead synapses of Carrie Black's brain. If Carrie Black had an objective self, it might have asked whether the memories of rage and thirst for vengeance constituted a reanimating of her personality. There was no objective self for such philosophising, only the furious memories that definitely were the last thoughts of the murdered teenager. Furious thoughts were trapped in her inanimate body, Electrical impulses started to provoke chemical reactions. The reactions sent messages to nerve endings and muscles. Where blood and oxygen should have fueled movement, plain rage was bringing Carrie's body back to some kind of life. Fingers started twitching. Toes started jerking. Eyelids started to flutter open. Ashley stepped out onto the deck. After the noise of the gunshot... The night seemed unnaturally quiet. There were still shells in the gun and he took another couple of steps towards the mess. Unlike the glass door, it hadn't been ripped apart. It was spread over a wide area and flattened like one of the chicken carcasses you saw in the Chinese restaurants. Two arms, both about a metre long, were stretched out to the sides. He poked it with the gun barrel and when he drew the weapon back, a strand of sticky gunk remained clinging to the metal. A rotten smell billowed up from the thing, which made Ashley stagger back. The strand of gunk was still wrapped around the gun barrel and it was pulled from Ashley's hands. Bile rose at the back of his throat. He choked back the burning sensation and stamped hard on the thing as he reached for the gun. Pain shot up his leg as his barefoot hit the creature's flesh. He stumbled back without the gun snapping his foot out of the sticky mess. He stomped about on the deck, then jumped to the grass, hoping it would cool the burning in his foot. The burning in his foot bolted up his leg, through his groin and guts, and all the way to his raging mind. Ashley saw a fallen log, grabbed it in both hands, and swung it above his head. Had he been in a normal, at least real keen, state of mind, he wouldn't have been able to lift it to chest height. Pain and fury fueled strength and he ran at the deck with a screech, unaware of the stench coming from the blistered skin of his foot. A stick-like limb lashed out, its claw ripping Ashley's singlet and leaving a burning scratch across his stomach. Ashley didn't care. He swung the log down, smashing the limb in the middle, snapping it with a crack. He swung the log again, this time at the quivering body. The blow sent the thing sliding across the deck and into the remaining glass door with a heavy splat. He leaped after it and carried on his attack, slamming the log down again and again on the pulpy body. Blood and pus sprayed around. Ashley ignored the hot globs that hit his legs and body. All that mattered was his rage at the creature. He felt a thump on his shoulders and turned. "'dropping the log on the screeching creature. "'There was a knife on the floor at his feet. "'Its handle had hit his back. "'Standing a couple of feet away was Carrie Black. "'Dead eyes twitched, trying to focus on her murderer. "'In her hand was another blade, a heavy kitchen knife. "'Real keen and objective self had vanished without trace. "'The other Ashley growled at Carrie. "'Just sit down, honey.' he said. I'll deal with this. She tottered towards him with the knife waving in her hand. He was about to slap her away when the creature lashed out with its unbroken arm. The claw stabbed into Ashley's thigh. There was no pain. The inhuman fury that was the creature was all over Ashley now. He wrenched the claw away with a spray of blood. Ashley turned back to Carrie. She shoved the knife into his mouth. The sharp side of the knife sliced his lower lip in two, split through his lower incisors and neatly bisected his tongue. The blunt top edge crunched through his top row of teeth and the sharp end stabbed into the soft tissue at the back of his throat. Blood gushed from Ashley's mouth, pumping over the knife handle. It slipped from Carrie's twitching grasp. Ashley fell forward, knowing simple, physical pain now. Pain it shoved the other Ashley away and let the real keen back. On his knees, his hands slipped over the gore-drenched handle. Behind him, the thing pulled its body together. The rage in Carrie's mind was mirrored by the frenzied attack on Ashley's body. The body of Carrie Black stayed still. The face showed no emotion, but it felt every furious blow and slash and bite of the creature on Ashley's body. Some minutes later, there was a bloody sprawl of body parts and blood sprayed across the deck and all over the lounge of the cabin. Carrie Black looked down on the quivering mass of the creature. It was bigger now, more solid and more stable. What shall we do now? croaked her tight vocal cords. The thing slid off the deck and into the woods. With stiff legs, Carrie followed. Elsewhere, they could feel other people. Other people full of fury. Detective Inspector Jed O'Haru was glad to leave Ashley Keane's cabin. He didn't want to ever set foot on the Aotari headland again. It had been three weeks since the call from Keane's father. Three weeks since that poor old man had found the dismembered remains of his son all over that pleasant little house. The revelations that had followed, the four bodies of the missing girls found under the floorboards and the wealth of evidence that pointed to the popular teacher, favourite son and wonderful boyfriend that Ashley Keane was described as made Jed's job even worse. Sitting at his desk with the ever-growing file in front of him, Jed knew there was more work to be done with a name and a face to look for it seemed highly likely that another vanished girl, Carrie Black, had been picked up by Keane. But her body was nowhere in sight. Tomorrow morning he knew there would be more officers combing through every part of the headland. He didn't expect much sleep again because he would have to go back with them. No, Jed had no wish to go back to the Aotari headland. There was something unpleasant up there.
1: This has been a presentation of shadowcastaudio.com and is produced under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Copy it, share it, pimp it all you want. Just don't try to sell it or change it. We keep this going through you, the listener. For the duration of the Masters of Horror podcast, all who make donations to shadowcastaudio.com will receive an ebook copy of the Masters of Horror. Just specify which format you would like. In addition, you'll also be entered to win a print version signed by myself, which will be given away at the end of the last episode. The music for the podcast is an original piece done specifically for the Masters of Horror by Christopher Carlson. Find more great selections at ChristopherCarlson.com. Thanks for listening.
0: coming mixed up in the beginnings of a gang war. Frank, a mysterious bounty hunter, gets more than he bargained for in his latest assignment. A team of unusual hitmen are after him, comprising of an ex-casino boss who is dead, but alive, and a criminal who is alive, but should be dead. Throw in an escort girl, a man called Joe who has a taste for something bad and the devil and you have one hell of an interesting story it's getting closer the heat is rising Boiling Point is approaching and if you live in the city then you have no idea what is going on until Boiling Point has been achieved Frank Volume 1 Boiling Point is coming soon from author Neil Colquhoun. For more information, please visit neilcolhoun.com.